Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of the Ninth State Sports Show. My name is Joe Marcellina. For the next half hour, we're going to be talking a little bit of NHIAA football. My guest, uh, Sauhegan football coach Mike Lockman, who will be joining us uh, throughout the postseason. Uh, first, let me remind you that every Wednesday, uh, now we're doing this at, at 5.30 at Riverside, or 5.30, 6 o'clock-ish, sometime in the, the dinnertime hour. Uh, we'll be down at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua talking high school football. You can come join us uh, if you like and, I guess, watch us talk. Uh, <laughs> if that interests you. Or you can send me an email, uh, nhhighschoolsports uh, at gmail.com with any of your questions. Uh, all right, enough of that. Let's get into these games. We both both went to a game this past weekend, yeah. uh, a couple of Division One games. Uh, you went to see that that Bedford Salem game, which was a thirty-three to seven win for Bedford. Yeah, uh, kind of turned out to be. Actually, both games turned out to. I went to the Merrimack Golfstown game. Both turned into games maybe that we didn't expect uh, because of injuries, which is always unfortunate. Yeah, it was. I was so bummed. Uh, in fact, I think you had told me in in last week's show that LeBlond and and uh, that's Sabanda. Uh, yeah, Sabanda yeah, were both was like a like a game time thing it was like all of a sudden it got out on Twitter and yeah, he wasn't going to play. Yeah. I mean, two really good backs, but, um, credit Salem. I mean, they recovered really well from that situation. They played, they came in, they played with confidence. Uh, the two, the two or three guys that they rotated in the backfield that, that backed up. Um, I don't recall the names, but, uh, those yeah. guys ran their tails off. They, they were, uh, they were very, very good. You know, they, they had a good inside run game going. They, um, I think Salem tried to test Bedford outside a little bit, and, and that was successful at times. But the guys that they brought in um, ran very hard. They were physical, and, and they were able to do some things to Bedford that uh, offensively that was surprising given that their two workhorses were out. And I, I thought that the score was... W wasn't really representative of the type of right. game it was. Yeah. Salem got down inside the red zone three or four times in the first half, maybe even. It was certainly certainly at least three times in the first half, um, and there may have been a time early in the second half where they got down inside the red zone, and th the tragedy was they just they weren't able to come away with any points. I think on their first drive in, they chewed up six or seven minutes off the clock. Um, great drive, you know, textbook kind of run inside, run ins outside yeah. counter type yeah. of drive, and uh, yeah. they got they got the ball down inside the five, stalled, opted to go for a field goal, and the field goal was just missed, and that's you know that's tough to recover from. Right, and that seems kind of strange too. They don't strike me as a team that uh, kicks a lot, lot, lot of field goals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there may have been, you know, you, you, I put my coaching hat on for a minute, and you say to yourself, "Wow, you know, the the." the the backup running backs we've had carrying the mail for us this drive all did a great job, but I'm not sure that I have the confidence to pound it in maybe. And uh, so you say, hey, we got to come out of here with points. Yeah. You have a drive yeah. like that against the number one team in the division. Let's come out of here with some points, feel good about ourselves, play defense. And so, you know, you, you can always think of it that way too, that maybe there was some, some worries about, you know, the inexperience of the guys that were coming in and, and you know, picking up the load for – for uh, LeBlond and, um, and and Josh, you know, were were a lot of those drives, um, you know, was it Salem kind of shooting itself in the foot, or did Bedford just kind of, you know, as they got closer to their goal line, just tighten up? I think it was a little a little bit of yeah. the of the latter. Really. Yeah, I mean, cer certainly there was maybe some of um, Bedford may have made a mistake or two in terms of of uh, 
blocking a key guy on a perimeter play. There were a couple of really critical third and short or even fourth and shorts that they went for where they got the ball out on the edge and they needed one key block from a receiver or something and they either got it or they didn't and that was often the difference but I think a lot of times it was Bedford was was tightening up I I think Bedford um, you know I think I think when the big down and distance situations came they they really pulled it together and they would play tough on the line of scrimmage not that they weren't for the other parts of the game, but they, they really played well on the line of scrimmage and the big downs. But kind of a little more focused with the back against the wall, kind of yeah. uh, bend but don't break. Yeah. Uh, uh, similar game where I was at, Merrimack and Gosstown was a 42-7 to final. Um, as we alluded to, injuries really changed the shape of that game. I mean, you had uh, Gosstown starting quarterback Nick Moquin going out on the fifth play of the game with which, what uh, initially we were told was a broken ankle. I haven't heard any updates on that. Um, you know, three plays after that. It was a different possession, but three plays later, uh, Charles Keith, the backup, who was also, he was a starting receiver, so you're moving a kid to another spot and having another kid step up there. It's a twofer. So, yeah, he goes down with a concussion. Uh, they go to their, who was actually their fourth-string quarterback, um, Peyton Bigford, because the third-string quarterback had been hurt two weeks before and hadn't gotten any reps on offense. He comes in and throws a... 79-yard touchdown pass to uh, Franklin Castillo-Diaz, who you, 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 that ties the game at seven, and you're th- I'm thinking, okay, maybe, yeah, um, got some maybe they can hang around here. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe they can hang around and, and make it at least a little bit interesting, but that was, they just, other than that, they could not move the ball all game. I think they finished with about 200 yards of offense, and almost half of it came on that one play. Yeah. And then Merrimack was just, I, I mean, they, they stopped him at times early, I think because they just dropped everybody into coverage and kind of took some things away. The one thing they couldn't take away was the deep ball. Right. And once Goff, or excuse me, once Merrimack started hitting that, it loosened everything else up. Yeah. And yeah. You know, it's um, kind of like what we said about uh, my last game, right? When it's tough to recover from losing a key player emotionally, yep. and I'm 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 sure. Um, you know Justin's team executes really well. J- Justin Huft, uh, they're they're well coached on both sides of the ball, but no matter how good of a coach you are, it's very very difficult to guard a bunch of high school guys against the emotional letdown of we right. lost not one but two QBs in our first drive in a playoff game. And, and oh by the way, that Goffstown team had been there before. You know, I mean that. You yeah. know, Again, maybe not the same kids started. But uh, enough of them. Yeah. But you know, certainly Castillo Diaz and and Moquin played a ton last year. So there was a lot of leadership on that team. Um, but it's you know you lose. It's one thing if you lose uh, a couple of offensive linemen. That's hard enough. You lose a couple of quarterbacks in an offense that um, you know every offense has its key player. Right. Right. Whether it's a tailback yeah. or. Uh, you know, the center has to be a good player. Well, in Justin's offense, it really is the QB because he's reading different things in the run and pass game. And you get down to three or four there, you can't guard against the emotional letdown of your own guys saying, wow, we're at a disadvantage now, you know, no matter how much they believe in themselves. So, yeah. th- and that's not to take any credit away from what Merrimack did. Uh, I think we all know how tremendous Merrimack I, is, but that's I, probably made what could have been a better game um, a, a little not, bit. Yeah, a little lopsided. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anytime you get running clock in a in a playoff game, it's a little, little disappointing. Yeah, um, you know, this week obviously uh, Merrimack and Bedford playing each other in the semifinals. Yep. Um, you know, it's kind of the game that we, I don't know, I left that they played in the season opener opener uh, 24-20 win for Bedford. 
Uh, I left that game thinking, man, if this, please let this be a game, you know, the semifinal game at the end of the season because I want to see that again for another four quarters. That yeah. was a a phenomenal football game. Um, certainly helped that Merrimack came back at the end and made it interesting because uh, for the first three quarters it was kind of not living up to the hype, I think. Right. Um, but it was, I, I think I think it's going to be maybe just as good um, coming up this Saturday. Yeah, and, and probably for different reasons. You know, it's amazing how much teams change from early September to playoffs in, in terms of just the experience kids get. Guys might move positions a little bit just because you have injuries. You want to get your best guys on the field. So both programs have, have grown a lot and been through a lot this season, as anybody who's playing at this point has been. So, um, you know, it's funny. You, you look at the, a rematch and say, ooh, you know, what, what can you take out of that first game? Probably not a lot would be my guess. It's probably going to be a very different type of game given the, the growth that both teams have experienced. Um, I've seen Bedford firsthand multiple times this season. Um, they're very good. I, I don't think that they were playing their best football last week. Yeah. Um, based on what I saw, I, I, certainly th they were good. Don't get me wrong. They were good enough to take a very good Salem team and, and kind of put them away um, in the second half. But I know that um, my guess would be that Derek probably brought those guys in and said, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, we, we yeah. won and, and that's yeah. all that matters. But um, you know, we, we've got to play better if we're going to do good next week. And I'm sure that they will, they'll be bringing their A game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how Merrimack comes out in this one because that first one, you know, we've, we've heard, a, I've heard a couple times from Kip Jackson, you know, the Merrimack coach. They didn't have school that first Friday, um, sat around all day. The kids were texting him at like 1 o'clock, kind of, oh, we're ready to go. Yeah, coach. here we go. go. <laughs> well, it's great. we got six more hours to go here. Yep. Um, you know, uh, Justin Grassini came out in that game and was just a little off. The start was overthrowing some receivers, uh, guys that were wide open. Yeah. Um, finally got it together in that fourth quarter. Uh, you know, now he's got, you know, not just the whole season under his belt. The whole team has a playoff game. Um, you know, I think we talked about that last week. How much of an issue was that going to be for some programs that haven't either been there in a while or ever been there yep. um, in that first playoff game? Mer Merrimack handled it like pros. I right. mean, they, they looked like they'd been there before. Um, and I don't think it's going to be a problem going up there to Bedford. Right. And yeah, and now you have that first, you know, quarterfinal jitters. Any, any opportunity for that is gone now. They're, they're, they're going about their routine again. Um, and we talked a little bit last week about revenge factor sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you look back to a week one loss that was pretty tight. If you're, uh, if you're Kip Jackson's team, you're probably looking at that saying, okay, this is our chance to prove that we're number one. And even though there's one more game to go, you know, that's the only blemish in our armor right now. So um, yeah. th they're going to come in motivated. And it's like we talked about last week. They have that workmanlike machine sort of attitude towards things There's I, the emotion i mean i some they have they've at times have gotten i think a little too high a little mm -hmm. too hot on the field but it doesn't seem to be it's not you know you don't see grassini getting too o overworked you don't see um some of the receivers getting too you know that if there's anything um that goes wrong they just kind of seem to take it in stride like yep. a penalty bad play something like that yeah that's and that's the difference between semifinalist teams and and teams that don't yeah. go it, you know is that ability to shrug it off be mature about it and move on and i think that's a reflection of the coaching staff they're they're a good staff um they're pretty level-headed about things the kids are going to be the same way 
you know, looking at the other semifinal, I was really, really hoping that, you know, one of these would get moved to a night game yeah. or to a Friday night because the other one, uh, on the other side, we've got um, Nashua North going out to Exeter. Uh, North beating, uh, you know, BG for the second week in a row. Uh, by a track about a million to uh, half a million. Yeah. Uh, six, what, 64-41. Um, and then Exeter holding off south in a game that was a whole lot closer than I think everybody might have thought. Yeah. Uh, 21-17. And that one, south had the ball with about three and a half minutes left at midfield uh, and just couldn't get a first down. Right. Um, that would be pretty interesting if, you know, south is pulling that off. And we're talking about this game being a north-south yeah, semifinal. semifinal game over at Stello Stadium. Yeah. Um, had the opportunity to go to uh, the game in 2010 that they played over there, and that was one of the best high school crowds oh, yeah. I've ever seen. i got to say there was about 3,000 people there that day. Yeah, It's just an, an incredible atmosphere. I'm sure it'll be pretty good out at Exeter, but uh, I'm curious as to what kind of game it'll be because in the regular season, Exeter dominated that game yeah. and, and blew north out. Yeah, and same idea, right? I, I, I don't think that was as early in the regular season as Merrimack no, uh, no. Bedford was, but North has obviously developed something in the last few weeks. And, and you know, again, you can look at and maybe even question BG's defense a little bit, but it's like we said, Girton, regardless, is well-coached and loaded with athletes, which equals they're, – and, they're and by the way, they're in the playoffs, which equals yeah, they're, they're a pretty play, good they're team. They're a playoff team, yeah. And you put um, – you put 64 points on them, and it was... A week after putting 67. 60-something, yeah, the yeah. week before. Yeah. Um, North is clearly playing their best offensive football right now. And so that's really fascinating because potentially a massive clash in styles between the way Exeter handles their football and the right. way North is likely to, to come in being used to um, having it be a track meet. You know, I think... Exeter, everybody knows, is, is built around ball control, really solid fundamental defense. Yeah. Um, so something's going to have to give there, and it'll be <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. Uh, is is Exeter up to the challenge of slowing this newly awakened monster down, or uh, does does North run into a, a very different uh, style of defense and offense that makes it difficult to cope with, right? If Exeter is able to keep the ball away from North, which I'm, I'm certain will be the plan. Yeah. Um, and they're very, very good at that. It's, it's part of their special teams philosophy, their offense and their defensive philosophy. It could be, could be rough on there. North. There were some other factors going into that game when they played in the regular season too, especially with Exeter coming off. Uh, it's only loss of the year. You knew they were going to be. Yeah. That was probably the worst thing that could have happened for North. For North. That, that they, um, you know, they were a little more focused maybe than they would have been otherwise. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the way that, that Exeter dominated that game, I, I can't, having seen North, I didn't see North this past week, but did the week before against BG. And it would just, it would really surprise me that if they're able to contain them the way they did. Because North got its one touchdown on, a, I believe, an 80-yard touchdown run. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's kind of the plays that they've. I mean, they put up over a thousand yards the last two weeks against PG. Yeah. Uh, you know, and looking at them, and, and ha was having this discussion with someone else last week. Uh, maybe should have expected them to be in this. I think I kind of did expect them to be in this spot, but maybe shouldn't be as. Maybe giving them a better chance to be here and and with a chance to win because you look at the talent that they have on that team. They've got four or five different running backs that any one of whom. Can, can carry the ball. They've got two big receivers in Levi Goslin and Steve Lambert who yep. are just 
can outmuscle anybody for a ball. Um, and the quarterback, Jeff Baldessari, he's a decent quarterback. Right. I mean, there's better ones in the division. But good enough to yeah, he's good enough to yeah. put up 60-some-odd points yeah. the last two yeah. weeks, certainly. Um, and I know that was a question for Coach Lorendi coming in. You know, we, we talk a little bit in the preseason and, you know, you ask each other how you doing yeah. and how's things going. And he had said, you know, if, if, if one of our two quarterbacks can come along the way we think they can, we'll be in good shape. And, uh, and, and, it, and it, sometimes it takes a season's worth of experience, which is, is kind of cool to see if the quarterback is hitting their stride now. Yeah, that makes them very dangerous because, like you said, Goslin uh, and and that other core group of skill position guys on their offense, pretty good. Um, the question is, they're also given up forty some odd points, right? Yeah, you know, eighty yeah. some odd points over the, the last, last couple two weeks. weeks. So, yeah. and again, with the way that Exeter uh, works their machine, um, it'll be probably much more of a question of can their can their um, can their defense step up and cope with what Exeter does. Yeah. Because uh, it's certainly very, very different than what Bishop Girton did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A little more depth there too. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's jump down to um, Division Two. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, really the only surprise I think of the playoffs so far is that Bo John Stark game. Uh, Bo going back to John Stark again, and the sev- as the seven seed knocking off John Stark as the two seed, and again I, we talked about last week about a you know team that's never been in the playoffs before yeah. in John Stark. I wonder how much of a factor that was. Um, it didn't sound like it. I mean, they got off to a good start. They took the lead early, and then Bo came back. And, um, you know, some injury injuries there for John Stark, too, with Drew McQuarrie being moved to tight end because of a shoulder injury. His younger yeah. brother, Parker, coming, who I, I saw a little bit uh, when they played Plymouth, and looks like he's bigger than Drew is. He so is. He's, he's <laughs> an inch taller. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, 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 um, I measured... Uh, Parker McQuarrie at the um, the showcase yep. that is held at Bedford, and uh, I was like six five, huh? Isn't your brother only six four? And he kind of yeah, chuckled and no. walked away. <laughs> so he's a he's a yeah. big dude, um, and uh, you know, as much as I had, um, especially coming out of our our opener against Stark, respect for the team. That is John Stark football this year. All those guys, their their offensive and defensive lines, their skill position players, their defense, which I thought was a nice surprise this season. We certainly knew their offense was going to be good, um, but but to understand how well their their defense was going to play, I think ended up being a little bit of a surprise to some of us in the division. So that all equates to a, a lot of respect for Stark. But you lose a guy like Drew in the position that he has been. Um, you know, ushering for, the for team for four years, with, pretty much, right? right. You know, and and to lose him sort of tail end of the season with a nagging throwing shoulder injury, that's gotta hurt, no yeah. matter, no matter what. And I think the start coaching staff did a great job of saying, well, still one of our best players. Let's move him into a place where he can be successful. Um, Parker is a is a is a halfway decent option that most teams would kill themselves for at quarterback, right. even yeah. as the backup. Let's run with that and see how it goes, but. You know, at the end of the day, um, I think the threat that, that Drew had as a runner as well as a thrower and a game manager, that's something that as a sophomore, I think, Parker you don't probably have, yeah. just doesn't right. have yet. He doesn't yeah. have those years in the weight room to be as big and strong and durable as Drew was. Because uh, I could tell you where, where Drew killed us yeah. was when he started tucking the ball and, and running it down the sideline. He he's uh, you know, difficult to catch and then difficult to bring down 
when you yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, and as he's running, you know that he can uncork one yeah, yeah. deeper in the flats at any point. So, and that's uh, you know, so that's difficult to replace. And I think Bo probably came in with a lot of confidence. Um, Bo is a team that's geared for um, that ball control, very similar to Exeter, right? They're geared for that ball control, methodical attack, and um, they probably came in confident. And and uh, Stark might have been a little. You know, like we said, a little bit. Wow, we haven't been here before. Over, overhyped, and uh, I don't mean overhyped in the media. I mean they right, themselves right, might have yeah. been a little hyped nervous up, and yeah. hyped up, yeah. and uh, and uh, so a lot of good, a lot of interesting variables in that one. I, I I think. Hey, congratulations to Bo. What an awesome story. I know to move up from Division Three. Yeah. Yeah, you're in the semifinals. Um, you know, I, I say that was the only surprise in the sense that it was the only upset. Two games that I picked the opposite way were, were the other other two, the Han- Hanover and Lebanon. I, I thought Lebanon was going to win that game. Hanover comes out with a 13-10 win. Yep. Uh, the other one was, was Plymouth and St. Thomas. I thought St. Thomas had been on such a roll. They got all you know all the guys back that they were going to get back. Yep. Um, Plymouth had been going through some injuries of its own. Yes, um, yeah, they had a couple of running backs that were yeah. rotating through. You know, they'd stumbled a little bit at the end of the season there, losing to, to John Stark, yep. uh, to Lebanon. They had a close game with Milford to end the year. And what do you know, they go out and beat St. Thomas by three touchdowns. Yeah, and, and again, the theme is interesting. Another clash of styles, the two teams. Right. Um, Plymouth, uh, very much sort of a, an old-school wing tee, double tight type team, um, where you looked at uh, St. Thomas coming in. They, were, they had athletes across the field. Like you said, the quarterback, who's uh, – I, I can't remember his name off the top uh, of my head. DeCorn? Sean, Sean DeCorn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's it. He, yeah. You know – um, who's very effective, and he's young. I, 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 I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he's a sophomore. Sophomore, yeah. Um, so you get your 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 prime guy running a spread offense back, prime to go. And um, but you know that's that Plymouth is. You know they may have been rebuilding the last couple few years or whatever, but such a such a machine in terms of the program that they have there. Right. I mean, I'm talking about from the youth program yeah. in the town all the way through the high school level where. Um, where Coach Sanborn is now. I mean, um, it, it's hard to ever say they're an underdog, I think. Right, um, right. You might have looked well, at it this year just saying, well, you know, going against the defending champs, and they're still kind of coming out of a rebuilding cycle. But What um, about this week then? Because they've, they've got to go to Plymouth, or and Plymouth is going to Wyndham. Um, and looking, not to take any too much away from Bo and Hanover on the other side, but I, I kind of look at this as if Wyndham gets through this game, they're going to – probably be able to take care of one of those i mean any i know anything can happen yeah. we've seen anything happen uh but i think this might be you know maybe the better of the the, the two games the plymouth at Wyndham game on saturday yeah i think so i think it depends on um like we talked about earlier how healthy is plymouth coming in to play Wyndham? um how much does depth come into play because i know Wyndham, you know obviously has a tremendous amount of depth and yeah. um it ended up being a bit of a runaway uh, unfortunately, this week the Wyndham game, which means that more than likely yeah, those kids are rested. Yeah, yeah, you know they they weren't exerting themselves tremendously through four quarters. So, um, whereas the the Plymouth game was you know somewhat tighter than that, I doubt that they had their guys out and they were probably going yeah. full bore full time. But well, if they're as banged up as they are, they probably don't have enough. They've those guys got to stay. In. Right, right. You don't. Uh, you, you've already gone to the to the well a little bit. Yeah. So I, I do think that's a good game. It, that that'll be one of. Uh, kind of an interesting story. One of the, um, you know, older, more storied, uh, extremely accomplished programs in the state of New Hampshire, going up against what really is 
um, maybe them in Bedford, the new, sort of young yeah, yeah. program story, the young up and comer, new kid on the block who's who's been very consistent and competitive and successful. Yeah. So, a little bit of uh, Ivan Drago versus uh, <laughs> versus um, <laughs> Apollo Creed, right, you know, yeah, kind of thing yeah. going, uh, you know, and 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 should be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then looking at Division Three. Um, Probably should have expected that the first weekend there to be a bit of a, a runaway for all the uh, higher seeds. Although I did think that Stevens Campbell game was going to be a little bit closer. Uh, I really did too. Um, I don't know much about Stevens other than I know that they have a really good balanced attack. They play good defense. Um, mm. I, I don't. I don't know any uh, much else about them, unfortunately. But um, you know, we talked last week. I know. I know Campbell really well. I think at least for, for how well I know some of the D three teams and. Uh, um, I, you know that that one surprised me a little bit because Campbell, I think, is very well coached, um, and you know I don't I don't know I, I know that they're a little young, which is yeah. probably good for them, right? You, you made it to the quarterfinals as a younger team, yeah, um, a little bit you know less experienced than a, than you, you might have expected to make it, but um, yeah, that one surprised me a little bit. I I I, I, um, I haven't talked to Coach Gush yet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he and I usually text message each other through the course of the season. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna give you that give one a week. Give him a week or you so. Know, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to ask him yeah. <laughs> any questions about it now. But um, it kind of grows, like you said last week. You needed that day after the end of the season. Yeah. Playoff, first playoff game. Maybe you need a week. Second playoff game, two weeks. Couple weeks, or, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, looking at the, the semifinals there, of course, you got a rematch between Stevens and Manadnock there. Uh, Stevens won, or excuse me, Manadnock won that one 20 to 6 the last week of the season. And interesting that it's a, a, a rematch on the other side, too, where you have teams from opposite conferences with, with Bishop Brady and Interlakes Moultonboro, which that game, uh, as far as I know, is at, um, at Bishop Brady. I don't know why it wouldn't be unless there was some kind of funny rating. Yeah, which, which, which by which, the way, yeah. <laughs> by the way, that has happened. Yeah, um, but I mean, you know, that game is at Bishop Brady um, on Saturday. They, you know, they've played each other, and Interlakes, you know, won by four touchdowns. Uh, second week of the season, lots changed, I would think, since then. But you know, is it gonna? You know, who knows if it's gonna get? I mean, we we. We talked last week about Wyndham and Hollis playing, and that one was a 40-14 game in the regular season. Yeah. I thought, oh, Hollis might get a little bit closer, and they blow them out by more. It's 52-7. Yeah, and, and that the Hollis game was interesting because I think, I think what happened there was you, you had a, a lot go. You know, it was, it was very similar to the Milford regular season game against Wyndham where you know, it was Wyndham scored a touchdown, just recovered an bad onside kick. Bad things just kept happening. Scored another for, touchdown, yeah. recovered another onside kick. And the next thing you know, a very potent Hollis-Brookline offense has not seen the field I, yeah. for three series. Yeah, I did see somebody tweet that, that, that Hollis hadn't run an offensive play in the second quarter. Yeah. Or something something it, along those it lines. Was, yeah. I think it was three onside kick recoveries in a row. And, I mean, to get one is demoralizing. To get two is 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 really painful. Right. I mean, if, if if it was indeed three, I don't, I don't recall my facts exactly, but if it was three, that's and, and against Wyndham, by the way, one against he, right. Eight. Yeah. You know, I mean that's yeah. that's very difficult to recover from. But uh, but yeah, the D three situation is is interesting. I think that if I'm not mistaken, uh, Stevens gave gave Manadnock their closest game. Clo- yeah, I, I believe so. I believe so. Um, I think it was twenty to twenty, 20 to six, six or twenty yeah. to seven, and I'm not sure that Manadnock was challenged like that. Yeah, uh, Interlakes gave him a close game yeah. too, uh, twenty-seven to twelve, um, last week of September. So, 
you know, again, it could be an interesting semifinal, um, but it would not would not shock me to see a rematch of Badnadnock and Interlakes, you know, at, at UNH next Saturday. Yeah, yeah, and that'd be an interesting that'd be an interesting game. Uh, I don't know much about what what Interlakes does, but um, you know, Manadnock. I've seen some of the Manadnock players come through um, come through that system, right. uh, particularly their running backs. And I I read that Levi. Uh, I can't. Ba- ba- Bassingway? Bassingwaite, yeah, I think. I, I was going to say, I'm going to pronounce his last name horribly. and uh, I, I probably I just did too. Insult so him, probably. Right. <laughs> but, but that he just broke the school right. record for rushing. And boy, I'll tell you, there's been some backs that have come through that school. There was a, um, a, a kid by the last name of Belowski who came through there a couple years ago who was a nightmare. I think he had 300 yards rushing against Milford yeah. his senior year. And so that's saying something for what Manadnock has on offense. Um, you know, and I know a lot of talk has obviously been about Manadnock this year, but that's that's a talented team. Yeah. Well, it should be an interesting weekend. Uh, that'll just about uh, wrap it up for us here. Uh, again, uh, joining me this week is uh, Sauhegan coach Mike Lockman. We'll be back again next week to talk about the wrap up the semifinals that are going on this weekend and talk about championship sh- championship Saturday. Yeah, looking forward November to November nineteenth. Uh, so for Mike Lockman, I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks for listening.